Good morning. My name is Mark. The second Bible reading is taken from Luke chapter 8, verses 1 to 18. You can follow along in the Pew Bibles on page 1081 on the screen behind me. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the Word of God, Kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell in the path, it was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop, a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables, so that those seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and, and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe it for a while, but in time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Verse 16. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on the stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have even what he thinks he has will be taken from him. This is the word of God. Thanks, Mark. Uh, you could keep your Bible open uh, as we work through that. And if you're a note taker or if you'd like to follow the outline, there's an outline in the handout. You might uh, find that helpful as well. But as we begin, I'm going to pray for our time. So please uh, pray with me. Gracious God, we thank you for revealing yourself to us in your Son and in your Word. We rejoice in knowing that your word will not return to you empty, 
It will accomplish what you please and prosper in what you send it to do. Now, may you be at work in us now through your word by the power of your spirit. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, imagine with me a typical morning service here at St. Stephen's. You arrive in the car park, you park the car and you hop out and you start walking towards the door. As you do, you glance at your watch and you see you're 15 minutes early, of course. You want to be there to welcome the newcomers. And so then as you come to the door, you walk up the steps, you're greeted by the friendly welcomers there. You make a few pleasantries on your way in, you get your newsletter, and then you proceed to the main hall here. And as you enter, you notice that there are four newcomers, four people sitting scattered around the church that you've never seen before. And so wanting to welcome them and make them feel at home, you go around and you talk to each of them. And what we'll be doing today is going along for the ride with you, going along as you talk to each of those four new people. And in fact, not just for that one day, but we'll go along with your observations for the coming days and weeks and months and years afterwards. And as we do that, we'll see that actually each of them responds a little bit differently. Because have you ever wondered why do people seem to respond so differently to God? Why can someone come to church for 30 years and not be a Christian? Why can someone come to church for years, then life gets hard and you never see them again? Why can someone else accept Christianity as a child and live faithfully for their entire lifetime? Why do people seem to respond so differently to God? Well, Jesus' parable in Luke 8 provides insight for us as to why that is. It's one of the most well-known parables that Jesus tells. You might be quite familiar with it already. A farmer goes out and he scatters his seed. Some falls on the paths. Now, these were kind of packed earthen walkways between the fields. But of course, it's too hard, so the birds come and they eat it. Other seed falls into shallow soil, and because there's not much uh, depth to it, it goes down a little bit and springs up quickly, but then when the sun comes, it's got no roots, and so it burns away. Still more seed falls among the thorns, and as the seed grows up, so too do the thorns, and they choke out the seed before it produces. And then finally, the rest of the seed falls on good soil. And it produces a crop a hundred times what was sown. That's the story. It's a well-known one. It's a simple one. And actually, Jesus explains it for us. And I love what one uh, theologian says about this. Uh, He puts it like this. He says, The whole picture is so fully explained by our Lord Jesus Christ that no exposition of man can throw much additional light onto it. And isn't that the case? Jesus explains this parable so well We can't do better than that. He explains it for us. And so today, rather than heavily exegeting the passage, what we'll do is think about what this parable looks like. And as we do, we'll see why some people respond so differently to God. And so you make your way up to the first newcomer. He's sitting up near the back. He smiles at you as you approach, and he introduces himself as Peter Path. As you get talking, Peter tells you how he grew up in church, but then he kind of drifted away. He never really felt at home. But now he thought he should give it another go, and so here he is today. And so you welcome him and you make him feel at home, and then later you glance his way in the sermon, 
and he seems to be carefully considering things. And so once the service ends, you make your way up to him and ask him what he thought. And he says, well, I'm not sure I agree. The speaker said that the only way to heaven is through Jesus, but I don't think I need that. I'm a good person, I give to charity, I'm nice to my neighbors, I don't cheat on my tax return, I think I'm okay. After a bit more polite, small talk, he then excuses himself with vague promises of coming to church again sometime, but you never see him again. What are we to make of people like Peter Parth, who hear the seed, but it doesn't take hold? But Jesus actually warns, this is what will happen sometimes. Have a look at verses 11 and 12. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the paths are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. See, the seed scattered is the word of God. It's the message of salvation found in Christ alone, in his life, death, and resurrection. And one typical response to that seed is nothing. The seed never takes hold. Now, of course, this might look a bit different from situation to situation. Some come to church once and then never again, while others might sit in church for years or even decades without it taking hold, hearing that seed each week, hearing the Word of God each week, hearing the message of salvation in Christ alone each week, Yet each week, the devil snatches it away from their hearts. See, on the surface, they might appear different situations, but actually, they're the same situation. The seed doesn't take hold. Have you ever met anyone like that? Have you ever met a Peter Path? That's what my grandpa was like. He was a, a Scottish man. He was a good Scottish man, so he attended a Presbyterian church for his whole life. But he wasn't a Christian, and he actually reflected back on his life in his last few days and said as much. Though actually in God's kindness, he became a Christian on his deathbed. And so praise God for that. But for 80 years, 80 years, he sat in church every week and wasn't a Christian. He was involved in the life of the church. He helped out even on the board of management at times. He served in various ways. He was an integral part of many of the churches he attended over the years. And yet, he wasn't a Christian. How do we explain that? He went to church every week. That means for 80 years, he was in church 4,000 times. 4,000 times he heard the seed, and yet the devil snatched it away. How do we explain that? Well, this parable tells us. It's a spiritual situation. He was a Peter path, and the devil was there waiting to snatch away the seed as it landed. Now, you might say, well, that's not fair. That's not his fault. Satan snatched it away, he didn't have a chance. But the Bible's clear. Even though there are outside, external factors as well, we are also responsible for hearing and responding. And even in this passage, Jesus tells us, he says, you who have ears to hear, that is every single one of us, we all have ears. He says, you who have ears to hear, hear, listen, pay attention. And then later on in the passage, he says a similar thing. So even though the devil's at work, we still bear responsibility for listening. And so I have to ask you, are you listening? Have you listened? Or are you a Peter path? Well, having talked to Peter, you now head to your second newcomer. 
Uh, she's sitting down closer to the front. And so you say hi to her and she smiles back warmly and introduces herself as Susie Stone. As you chat, uh, she, tells her this, she tells you this is the first time she's ever been in a church. She tells you that she's here because of her friend at work who's a Christian. And Susie has always been amazed at how calm that friend is, even in the midst of the stress of work. How that friend rides the waves of life with such assurance. And that friend regularly shares how it's her Christian faith that enables her to do that. And so now Susie Stone is here to find out what this Christianity business is all about. And so you chat a little bit and then uh, you go your way. But later on in the service, you happen to glance her way and she's looking enraptured. She's loving what John's saying and, and who can blame her. After the service ends, you go and talk to Susie again and she excitedly declares, I've decided to become a Christian. It sounds so great. I want to know Jesus and I want to be part of God's family. And so over the next few weeks, Susie throws herself into the life of the church. She's there every week, and not just there every week, but there on time, early. She invites people over to her house after church for lunch. She goes to the women's events, and she starts listening to Christian podcasts. She starts reading Christian books. She is all in. But then one morning, you come into church, and you notice that Susie is not there. And the next week, she's not there again. So you decide you should follow up with her and check she's going okay. So you send her a text message, but she doesn't reply. Then she's not there the next week, or the next week, or the next week. And eventually, you hear the full story. Susie Stone is from a devout Hindu background. And when her family heard that she'd become a Christian, they weren't happy. And so they gave her an ultimatum. They said, if you become a Christian... You are not welcome in our family anymore. It's us or Jesus. And she didn't want to lose them. And so she chose them and abandoned her burgeoning faith. How would you explain situations like that? Well, Jesus warns us that that can happen sometimes. That's the second soil in this parable, the seed that takes hold in them and sprouts quickly but has no root. And so when the trials and the challenges come along, it burns up. Have a look at verse 13. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. There are people out there who sprout quickly, but when the sun beats down, when the trials and the tests come, they abandon their faith when they face pressure about God's views on sexuality and things start getting uncomfortable, when people laugh at them for believing in God, when their family threatens to disown them, when the time of testing comes, they fall away. Can you think of people like that? I know one girl, one young lady, who went to NTE. Uh, this, that was a big Christian union conference in Canberra where there's around 1,500 Christians gathered. And while she was there, she was non-Christian, she was swept up in the euphoria and the hype, and she was super convicted about the gospel and her sin, and so wanted to become a Christian. The problem was, she was living with her boyfriend at the time, who wasn't a Christian. And so at the conference, she committed that she'd no longer continue with that relationship. But in the car ride back from Canberra 
to Victoria, as she got closer and closer to home and closer and closer to reality, she started backing up. Now, it would be unfair to ask him to leave tonight. I'll do it later. But she never did. She didn't want to lose that relationship. And so for a while, she came along to church, but eventually she stopped, and eventually she didn't continue following Christ. Have you ever met someone like that who seemed so keen on God for a little while, but then the tests came, the sun started beating down, and they withered away. It is sad. It's so terribly sad, isn't it? But this is the reality for many who hear the gospel. The cost of living for God seems too great for them, and so they wither away. And then our third newcomer, He's sitting on the other side of the church, so you make your way across to him, giving a nod and a smile to the other regulars as you walk past. You sit down on the pew in front of him and you turn around and say hi, and he introduces himself as Theo, Theo Thorne. Now, Theo has just moved here from interstate for uni. He grew up in a Christian household and he's always attended church, and so now that he's moved away from home and interstate, he's looking for a new church. After the service, you introduce him to some regulars to help him settle in. And for the next six months, Theo is extremely consistent. He's involved in the life of church, comes along to growth groups. He's even meeting up with someone else to read the Bible together. But then slowly, Theo starts missing weeks. One week here, another week there. And you've also noticed he's not coming to growth group as regularly anymore. When you ask him about it, He explains that he's just started a new part-time job and now he's finding it really difficult to balance the, the, um, the difficulties of work and of study and of church. But he promises that he'll be back and regular when things calm down again. However, a month later, you notice that you still haven't seen him much and so you get in touch again and this time he tells you he's joined a basketball team and the matches are on Sundays. But he promises once the season ends... He'll be back at church, but he never is. Have you ever met anyone like that, anyone like Theo Thorne? Well, he's the third kind of response to the word. Have a look at verse 14. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. See, the difference between Theo and Susie is that for Susie, it's trouble and testing that makes her wither away. But for Theo, it's the concerns and the worries of life that slowly choke away his faith. Have you ever met someone like that? They skip growth group in order to do overtime. They go and watch their football team play on Friday night instead of going to youth group. They don't come to church on Sunday morning because they're taking their kids to language school. They skip church on Sunday evening to study. The busyness of life comes along and it chokes away their faith. In a sense, it's like the world has reclaimed them. It's a little bit like this. I love looking at uh, photos like this. I don't know whether you do or not. I do. I love looking at buildings and structures that humans have made that have then been abandoned and the way nature reclaims them. Even the case where that tree is growing through the car bonnet. I love looking at that. But in a sense, spiritually, that is what happens with the Theo thorns. In a sense, spiritually, the world reclaims them. It sucks them back in. Greg and his wife were non-Christians who started visiting my friend's church. 
Uh, right from the start, they loved the community and how caring it was. They felt right at home. My friend caught up with Greg and told him the gospel, and Greg prayed and committed his life to Christ. And for two years after that, Greg caught up with my friend to read the Bible and to work on his faith. They went through Just for Starters, which is a, an introductory course on Christianity. And after that, they made it halfway through Paul's letter to the Romans. But the busyness of parenting and a change of job resulted in Greg backing off from church and from growth groups. And so sadly now, he's not coming to church at all. The busyness of life grew like thorns and choked out his faith. In a sense, the world reclaimed him. Now, Greg is a, a real-life example, as are many of the people I've shared of today, and it's actually really heavy going reflecting on it and thinking about these people that seemed to start so well, but then drifted off. And as I was, cha- as I was reflecting on it, as I was chatting with my friend, uh, we both took heart in knowing that all is not lost yet, because there's still time for Greg and for the young lady that couldn't give up with living with her boyfriend. There's still hope, there's still time. See, we don't know what soil someone is until the end. And so we can pray that the Gregs of our lives might end up good soil. That's in God's hands. And then we come to our final newcomer. Having talked to, them, to, all, to all the others, you make your way over to the lady sitting on the right-hand side near the front. And as you approach, she smiles warmly and introduces herself as Sandy Goodsoil. And straight away, you get a good vibe from her. She's in her 70s, and she tells you she's been a Christian for 75 years. Through all of the ups and downs of life, she's persevered and held on to God the whole time. She knows that Wednesday night is growth groups, and that Sunday is church. After church on Sundays, when she invites church families over for lunch, she always tries to make God's people a priority. And she also tells people about her faith, her neighbor, her hairdresser, her doctor. See, Sandy Goodsoil knows that God is good and faithful. He's held fast to her all this time and kept his promises. And so even when she got cancer, even then she knew that even that is in God's hands. God has not abandoned her. And she finds peace in the fact that uh, when the time comes, she knows where she's going. She's got hope and she's not scared of death because she knows when she'll die, when she dies, she'll meet Jesus. See, Sandy's the good soil that Jesus talks about, verse 15. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. See, God is at work in this world, and when he scatters his seed, it does not return to him empty-handed. And God has planted his seed in her, and so now she's bearing fruit a hundred times over. Now, I'm reliably informed that in those times, a crop yielding five to seven times what was sown was seen as an abundant crop, five to seven times. And yet this crop is a hundred times what was sown. And did you see how that crop is produced? By hearing the word and retaining the word and persevering in the word. See, it's not enough to just hear it once. We need to keep hearing it over and over and over again in the sermon on Sunday and in growth groups throughout the week and in our own personal Bible reading and devotional life and in the way we listen to podcasts and other Christian content. See, as Christians, we're to be completely and utterly marinated in God's Word. We're to soak in it and absorb it into our very being. 
Can you think of people like that? I'm sure you can. Older Christians you look up to and you admire. Christians who are wise in their words because their words are seasoned by Scripture. Who are humble in their love for others because their actions are shaped by Scripture. Who are zealous in their evangelism because their understanding of the world is stamped by Scripture. And that's actually one of the things that I love about our church. So many of you are like this. As I was reflecting on this and as I was preparing for the sermon, I made my heart swell to think of how many of you are like this. And praise God for that. And that is what we long for as a church for you. As John mentioned before, we just had our elders retreat this weekend. And it was such a joy to see the elders' deep desire to see you all become just like this. To see you hear the word to retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. That is what the elders of this church long for, for you. And isn't that what you long for, for yourself? Don't we all want to be the ones who hear the word, who retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop? Isn't that what you long for, for yourself, and for everyone else here? As a husband, that's what I long for, for Cassie. As a father, that's what I long for, for Levi. As your pastor, that is what I long for, for you. And of course, that is what I long for, for myself. This is what I want us all to be like. And imagine the impact our church could have on Surrey Hills and on the surrounding suburbs if we all continue to grow in this way. If we all continue to, with a noble and a good heart, hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop a hundred times what was sown. Imagine the gospel fruit we could bear. Please God, let it be so. Well, that's our parable, and that's our four newcomers. And to see how this parable actually helps us to understand church life properly. Why, does, why do people seem to respond so differently to God? Because some are Peter Paths, or Susie Stones, or Theo Thorns, and others are sandy good soil. And actually, these are the universal responses that go on, go on in every single congregation where the gospel's preached. And so today, it's a Sunday. If you didn't know that, I'm sure you did. It's a Sunday today. And so this morning, there are thousands of churches meeting across our state. Tens of thousands of churches meeting across our country. And hundreds of thousands of churches meeting across the world. And in every single one of those churches, this parable is unfolding. These responses are happening. In fact, in our service today, there are almost certainly all four of these responses. These are the universal responses. And so what that means is, when we read it, we should say to ourselves, this concerns me. My heart is seen in this parable. I am here. I am one of those four. Which one are you? And which one are your friends and your family, your neighbors and your workmates? the people you see and engage with regularly, your dentist and doctor, your teacher and tax accountant, your plumber and postman, they're all one of these soils. Which one are they? Well, if it feels like they're not one of the good soils, then take heart that wherever they are at the moment, they don't have to stay that way. Keep trying with them because God's the only one who truly knows and he can change someone from one soil to another, just like he did with my grandpa. 
And that's actually what uh, personally keeps me going in ministry, knowing that it's not me who changes hearts, but God. So often I feel inadequate, I feel not up to the task. So often after a conversation, after it's ended, I'll think to myself, oh, I should have said that, or I should have done that. It always feels like just after I've preached a sermon, when I've sat down, that I have my deepest moments of insight, but it's too late. And so if ministry succeeded based on me, succeeded or failed based on me, then that weight would be crushing. But this parable is why I can sleep at night doing ministry. Because it's not me deciding. Once the seed leaves my hand, that's it done. What keeps me going is knowing that God is the one who does it. And God can change hearts. So I hope this is encouraging for you too. If you've been sharing the gospel with your neighbor, and it just seems to go in one ear and out the other, it just seems like they're a Peter path, then don't give up on them. God can change them. Keep praying and keep scattering that seed. If at the moment, your cousin seems to be a Theo Thorne, his faith seems to have been choked away by the concerns of this life, then don't give up. God can change him. Keep praying and keep scattering that word. If your friend seems to be a Susie Stone, she was on fire, but then as life as a Christian got tough, the costs started piling up and so her faith wilted away. Don't give up. God can change her. Just keep praying and keep scattering the seed. See, take heart, it is in God's hands. God's the one that grows his seed. And God can change even the most stubborn of hearts. I'm going to pray and thank God for that. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this parable. And we thank you for its simplicity but the way that it uh, covers all responses to you and to your word. And would you help us to, uh, with the help of this parable, see church life and see evangelism rightly. Help us to see these four possible responses. And would you help us to reflect well on ourselves, to reflect well on what, uh, what our soil is and what our response to your word has been and continues to be. Would you help us to be this good soil? Help us to hear and to believe and to produce a crop a hundred times what was sown. We pray for those in our lives that perhaps don't seem to be the good soil. Would you help us and give us boldness to keep scattering the seed to them? And would you be at work in their hearts, changing them from the other soils into the good soil? Uh, give us comfort in knowing that it's not up to us, it's in your hands. And would you have mercy on them and mercy on us in this way? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.